Awesome. Um, so, all right. So, so the uh, you know the only the only bummer is uh, DC couldn't couldn't be here yeah here here with me. He's always on this on this podcast. But uh, he don't worry. He sent me about uh, Brad. He sent me about a hundred questions on on WhatsApp right before this, and he's like, "Don't fuck this up, please. Don't fuck this up." So, um, so that that that's where we're at. Um, for for the listeners out there, we have two amazing uh, amazing guests today. Brad Stolberg. Uh, he is at Brad Stolberg uh, on Twitter. What's up, Brad? Hey. Glad to be on the show. Uh, and uh, and Rich Roll, who is at Rich Roll on Twitter. Rich, uh, thank you for coming on. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. Stoked to be here. Uh, yeah, so you know, I know you guys have have crazy schedules, but uh, th- this whole thing started with um, we we went out to Oakland and we spent some time with Brad, and and he dropped this formula on us, uh, which is stress plus rest equals equals growth, and that went on to be one of the most popular episodes that we did, and uh, you know really hit on something with with this audience and talking a lot about you know personal and and professional growth. So so we uh, we decided to run it back, and and lucky enough to uh, you know to get to get Rich on on here with us. So I, I usually don't like to uh, like I don't always start at the beginning, but I think having you guys both on here uh, makes a lot of sense. So just kind of want to, you know, maybe just do a, do a quick intro and like, um, you know, how you guys got into this, into this world. Cause you, you both have different backgrounds. Like Rich was a lawyer, uh, Brad, you were, you were a consultant and now like your lives are spent really talking about, um, uh, you know, health, uh, personal growth, um, professional growth, those type of topics. I just love to start there and kind of unpack that a little bit. Okay, cool. Brad, you want to go first? Sure. I can, I can go first. Um, so yeah, like Dave said, uh, I I came right out of school and uh, went to work at McKinsey and Company, which is a, a fairly well known international consulting firm. And uh, to make a long story short, I love the work. I just couldn't detach from it, and uh, I completely burnt out after two years there. Um, I was having emotional, physical, just spiritual. I was a mess. Uh, so was fortunate enough to be able to pivot. Uh, went to graduate school to study public health because I wanted to be interested, or excuse me, I was interested in, uh, you know, whether people can really achieve that kind of performance, but do it in a more sustainable way. And since then, that has really become my passion is exploring this topic, uh, working with others on this topic, writing about this topic. And then, you know, they say you write for yourself first. So I'm a major work in progress. I still have a very obsessive personality. I have some anxiety and I try to channel it wisely. Um, but so much of my research and writing is for myself as much as anyone. I mean, I'm, I'm trying to figure this stuff out too. Cool. I so I guess my and, rich and I, like, I, yeah, oh, yeah. Go, oh, go ahead. No, go. Okay. So, uh, so I came at this whole thing a little bit differently. I mean, yes, I was a corporate lawyer. I'd been an athlete in college. I was a swimmer at Stanford. Um, my athletic potential was uh, a little bit truncated by, protracted struggle with drugs and alcohol. Um, that's a big part of my story. Ultimately, I ended up getting sober at 31 and, and spent the better part of the following decade trying to repair the wreckage of my past and, and become this responsible member of society on the path to uh, achieving the American dream, which is kind of what my whole life was premised on. Uh, only to find myself at 39, 50 pounds overweight, stressed out, basically your classic couch potato, um, entering middle age on a crash course with, with lifestyle disease and, and, and really kind of depressed and unenthusiastic about this life that uh, I thought that I wanted, uh, only to realize that it wasn't delivering on the promise of, of fulfillment and 
happiness and and all the things that we kind of um, take into it or the expectations that we create around it. And and so I had a little bit of an existential crisis that collided with a health scare shortly before my 40th birthday um, that kind of catalyzed this journey into uh, exploring health and wellness and, and fitness into my 40s. Um, ultimately, I ended up adopting a plant-based diet and tackling some crazy ultra-endurance races and then uh, writing books about them <laughs> and starting podcasts. And and now I, I've sort of found myself in this position of, of wellness pontificator at large, I suppose. Um, and it's not by brand design or, or master plan. It's kind of just, I don't even know how I ended up here, but I'm very grateful to be getting to do what I get to do. And not having to be a lawyer why do you guys Dave yeah, let me yeah, just yeah, go. I'm in for the intro I think it's also worth noting uh, that in in this relationship rich is like the the older wise sage and and I'm the young just trying to be protege so um, you know one of the coolest parts about being a writer is you get to meet people like rich and I've looked up to rich long before I wrote a word um, so to kind of have this shared space and friendship and to learn from him, and then to get to do stuff like this together is is really pretty neat. Um, all right, that that sums up our little intro. Kumbaya. Kumbaya. <laughs> oh, I, I love that. Um, I, I, how how did you guys get connected? Like, what, how like did you uh, did you happen to be in the same world? Like, what what's the backstory? Like, why 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 is he a mentor for you, Brad? How did you guys get connected? So I read Rich's book, um, Finding Ultra, right when it came out, and that was a time in my life when I was getting into endurance sports. Um, and it was also right kind of fresh off the burnout experience at McKinsey. And like I said, I, I have an addictive personality. I haven't struggled with um, a substance addiction, but I have struggled with like obsessive thought patterns and, and things that, you know, could be called addictions, just not to substances. Uh, so the book really just hit a chord with me and I started to follow Rich. I started to read his blog, uh, the podcast, and just someone that I really looked up to. And, you know, fast forward a few years when I started writing about this stuff, uh, one of my first features for Outside Magazine was on passion and looking at passion not just as this wonderful gift, but also is, is a potential curse if you don't know how to control it. Um, so I just emailed Rich and I thought he'd be a great interview for it and, and introduced myself and we did the interview and then we kind of got to talking after and hit it off and uh, we've been in touch since then. Yeah, I mean, I would say from my perspective, uh, I, you know, I, I fondly recall that initial phone conversation that, way, that, that I had with you, Brad. And I, what I remember about that mostly is that, you know, I'm, as somebody who's done a lot of phoner interviews with journalists, like what I'm used to is, oh, here's the five questions and let me get through the questions. And they're just writing it down and then they're like, OK, thank you. Goodbye. And that's it. And what was different about you is, A, you actually seemed interested in the response which you would presume any journalist should be if they're writing an article about something, but is usually not the case. Uh, and, and, and you had a very kind of um, intellectual and, and nuanced take on a challenging subject matter. And we ended up talking for a long time. And I was like, oh, this guy's cool. Like he's actually putting a lot of thought into these issues so that he can write something um, of value as opposed to like, well, I just got to get my 1500 words in so I can bank the next check. I love it. Why, why the one thing that I think is interesting is like, and maybe, maybe this isn't the case, but at least feels like it. Why, why do you guys think that like 
why is this whole this whole genre of fitness and and health and mindfulness like do you feel like this is something that that is bubbling up over the last couple of years and like wh- why do you think that has become the case where this wasn't something that everyone was you know writing about blogging about podcasting about you know five six ten years ago i think it feels like this is a this is a key topic now i mean it's why it's why our podcast exists it's you know rich the 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 mantra of everything that you do you know brad with with you know your your last book like it seems to be that this is something happened in the last couple of years where this is now a topic that everyone is concerned about that's a great question. Um, certainly, you know, undoubtedly, wellness is having a moment. Um, I would contend that that it started, you know, perhaps a couple of years prior to that. But you know, definitely, you know, subject matters related to wellness, fitness, well-being, mindfulness, meditation, even minimalism—all of these kind of lifestyle ideas are very much part of the zeitgeist discussion at the moment. And as for why that is. I think it's a function of, of a number of things. I think it's a function of millennials coming of age uh, who were raised on the internet and have a, a, a different perspective on, on uh, you know, seeking purpose and meaning throughout through their careers where there's a priority and a premium placed on, on you know, enjoying what you do, on giving back, on taking care of oneself that perhaps was less important uh, amongst my generation being a Gen Xer. And then with the Gen Xers, you know, coming into their 40s and their 50s and, and you know, trying to figure out how to extend their life and, and be fulfilled and, and engaged in their careers in a way that perhaps their parents weren't, I think begs the question of, of wellness and how to take care of oneself as opposed to just you know, settling into the into the lazy boy chair for, you know, 20 years of, of reruns. Um, and I think on top of that, you know, the internet with its you know, access to, you know, every bit of knowledge that we would ever want or need um, has fueled, I think, an undercurrent of interest in how we can better take care of ourselves. Same thing with you, Brad. What do you think? Yeah, that's a great answer. I, 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 don't, I don't have much to add. Um, I think, I think Rich hit the nail on the head. Uh, you know, the the only other thing that I would say maybe is, well, it definitely seems like wellness is having a moment. I, I think that there is still a lot of noise in order to find the signal. Uh, I know it's something that we briefly discussed the last time I was on the show, but, um, you know, people, something for nothing never gets old. And I think that for every, you know, one good podcast or really good book with insights that, that will work, there are... 10 to 50 to 100, hack your way to growth, um, wear this magnetic bracelet, wear this thing on your head and your brain will improve. Um, Because the truth is a lot lot of people want wellness, but it's it's really not about a quick fix. It's about a a lifestyle and um, and it's tough, especially if you're not coming from a place of wellness. Yeah, yeah, I love that. I, I was gonna, I was gonna go there, go there later, but I think that's actually a good, a good segue. I, I wanted to ask you both, like, okay, there's so much, there's so much shit out there. There's so much noise. I don't know if it's right or wrong. Like, how do you guys, 
and this is like kind of like a selfish question because it's something that I, I struggle with. Like, how do you prioritize who to listen to, um, who to take advice from? Like, who, who are your mentors? And kind of like um, seeking wisdom is something we talk a lot about. Uh, learning is, a, is, is basically why this podcast exists. I'm just interested in like how maybe starting with you, Rich, like how do you unpack who you're going to take advice from? Like what sources you listen to? How do you, you know, how do you read what, like who, what, what podcast you're listening to and just advice that you're taking from people? Yeah, that's a great question. I would say that that you know, as I kind of mature through this, I I have begun listening to fewer and fewer people, and and have put myself on more and more of an information diet, at least with respect to um, wellness and fitness. You know, I have a few trusted sources, and that that work very well for me, and and I rely on them and and lean on them. And those are people I have personal relationships with in terms of like the content that I consume, you know, it's, I would say that, you know, kind of echoing what Brad said, there is so much noise out there. And I think you have to really finely attune your antenna and your radar, um, to see the, the sort of showboating and, you know, carnival bark or snake oil salesman coming down the pike from a million miles away. And I think if you're paying attention, it's pretty easy to spot. You know, it's like you can see the signs and the marketing lingo and all the kind of trappings that surround this stuff and the way that the content is delivered. And I just tune all that stuff out. Like I don't pay attention to any of that stuff. Like I know what works for me. I have doctors that I've met through, you know, a lot of the people that I trust and rely on are are people that I've had as guests on my podcast, you know, a, a variety of doctors and nutritionists that I trust and I think are, you know, walk with quite a bit of integrity. I have a coach for my fitness and athletic endeavors and I trust him implicitly. And that's a relationship that dates back, uh, you know, close to basically a decade at this point. Um, and I think, you know, kind of a marching order though, that perhaps could be a takeaway for your listeners is despite the fact that it's good to be kind of experimenting on yourself and finding what works for you, it's, it's not about trends and hacks and looking for the latest and the greatest. It's about, you know, acclimating your life to the fundamentals. And if you want to play around with a few hacks and things like that, you have to consider them like cherries on top of the sundae. But fundamentally, the principles of like living a healthy, fit life are pretty basic and they don't go out of style. I love that. One thing we, we, we talk about is like, it's just from a, you know, this is, a, we, we think a lot about marketing and, and, and from that perspective is like focus on the things that don't change. Right. And so there's things that have been around for granted, like in, in some of the health and wellness stuff, that stuff has progressed over time. But like, just from a studying people perspective, we think about people haven't changed over, over hundreds of years. So we try to focus on, on there's that core of advice. It's why like going back and reading a business book from the, from the 1930s and 1940s might have advice that's, just as relevant today because there's a there's a core piece there of stuff that just hasn't changed over the course of time yeah i think that that's correct and and that's not to cast aspersions on some of the new kind of developments that are occurring because it's all good but i think if you're looking like if for example if you think the solution to what ails you is to get your microbiome tested and then learn all about like you know what's wrong with your microbiome that's helpful. That's great. But also on some level, it's kind of yeah. a distraction. It's like, oh, here's a yeah. thing that I can buy and here's a thing that I can do. And I can like immerse myself in this little, 
you know, journey with this thing. Meanwhile, you know, I'm eating at McDonald's and I'm staying up till two in the morning watching, you know, Dancing with the Stars reruns or whatever. You know, it's, I think you have to fundamentally have your priorities in check about, you know, the, the basic aspects of what it is to live well, which is basically to eat right, move your body, get good sleep stay hydrated, like things that haven't changed in yeah, hundreds of I, years. I know, you know, this This might not go over really well with, with parts of your audience, because in Silicon Valley, especially, I think that there's this inclination um, to try to like science our way into immortality, or at least to extend life. And I just laugh every single time I hear about, you know, some new supplement on the market that is going to uh, boost your mitochondria and, and the individuals that are taking the supplement don't exercise when we know that exercise boosts your mitochondria better than any supplement. Um, you know, I, I think like if, if there's a very, very popular study from the 60s, uh, the Burlow Health Study, and what he found is it's really five basic behaviors can add up to 10 to 20 years of your life. And it's don't smoke. And if you do smoke, get help quitting. Like Rich said, move. Keep your BMI under 30, which means don't become obese. That goes with moving. Don't overdrink. So for men, it's two drinks a day. For women, it's one drink a day. And then stay connected um, and, and have a sense of belonging. And, and you know, it's interesting because if I do an inventory of my own life, I don't always shoot five for five, right? I work from home. Sometimes I feel lonely. So these things sound really easy, but they can be pretty hard to do. Mm-hmm. I would echo that. Love it. Um, it's always simple, but it's it's like it's simple, not easy, right? The advice is simple. Most people know it. It's right there. But most people are just they want the hack. Then so that's why there is a new article about about some pill you could take or some some diet you could go on. That that's where that yeah, comes and from. And for it, sure. and it, these things could yeah, these things could work. Absolutely. Like yeah, I don't think that Rich and I are anti science, yeah. and I think that like we should continue to explore these things. Like shit, maybe the microbiome will unlock you know five years of vitality and health. Um, but I just think that, that the, the, the drum that still needs to be beat are around nailing the basics because enough people don't nail the basics. Um, and, you know, like I said, that sense of belonging, especially, uh, I think that social media and productivity, like, you know, getting back to your first question about why is wellness having a moment, I think another reason is a lot of people are suffering with, with mental health issues that come from like a degradation of community. And, and that's kind of like the gift and the curse of being so easily connected, right? Because now we can talk online or email instead of what was once an in-person interaction. And I, and I, I mean, I haven't tested this and I haven't seen science, but I wonder if that's not at play too. All right. So I want to transition to a little, a little lighter topic, which is, this is, uh, you know, you guys are, you might not know this, or maybe you know this, but you're both very, uh, very sneaky marketers. And uh, I don't know if you've ever thought of it that way, but like, you know, I, I think of Rich, for example, like you're everywhere, you know, Brad, you had a, a book out last year that that blew up, New York Times articles, like you guys are both everywhere, but I don't think either of you, did he, neither of you set out to like, I'm going to market the shit out of this thing that I'm doing, or I'm going to become this, I'm going to become this brand. Like, is that, did you think that way? Or how did this whole thing, how did this whole thing happen? Like Rich for you, you know, maybe start there. Yeah. I, I have no marketing background whatsoever <laughs> and, and strategy behind anything that I've done. 
Um, I will say, in all fairness, like when when Finding Ultra came out in 2012, you know, nobody really knew who I was outside of kind of the insular world of, of triathlon. And, and, you know, I had a couple there were a couple media pieces about me, but, you know, the mainstream there was no mainstream awareness. And so I, I realized and understood that, you know, if I didn't put everything I had into like pushing this book out into the world, that it would just come and go and I would be forced to have to go back and continue to practice law, which is something I very much did not want to do. <laughs> there, there's well, your forcing I, function. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I made it my mission to like, basically a full-time job <laughs> of like trying to get this birth, this book into the world and like making spreadsheets of everybody I could contact and like would do an interview with anybody who would talk to me and just, turned over every rock in order to get it out there. And it, it's not like it was a New York Times bestselling book. It wasn't. It was a slow burn of like, you know, getting, developing awareness. And, and, but I learned a lot about like how to, you know, how to, um, you know, how to, how to kind of launch a product. I made a lot of mistakes. And, you know, from what I learned, it was instructive when the, the cookbook, The Plant Power Way came out several years later. And the podcast really, it's just an opportunity to continue the conversation that I began with the book. And again, I, I had no, I didn't, I didn't like whiteboard, like this is what I'm going to do. And this is the next chapter of my thing. It was just turning a microphone on and saying, this is fun. Like maybe I'll do a couple of these episodes. Like I had no idea that it would turn into this thing. And in terms of how it's been marketed, you know, I just, my marching order is like create great content and like, you know, I share it on my social media sites, but beyond that, I don't, I don't do anything else. Like just create something great and take care of the people that are already tuning in to your wavelength and make sure that they're happy, spend less time trying to grow what you're doing and, and more time really serving the people that are already interested in what you're doing and trust that, um, over time, if you're consistent and you continue to deliver on the promise of great content, that the audience will develop. And that's kind of what I've been doing. I think perhaps I could be larger or doing more if I understood marketing better. Um, but I feel good about the fact that, um, you know, I'm not out there trying to like trick people or create clickbait headlines or do lame giveaways to try to entice people to you know subscribe to something that otherwise they might not be interested in and just focusing on like how can i have the most amazing conversation with this person and then present it in an artistic or you know aesthetically pleasing way like i spend a lot of time on the visual aspect of the work that i do because i think that's important um, and i think it's a differentiator um, from you know that it's something that that helps set my podcast and the work that I do kind of apart from some of the other people out there. I think one of the, one of the key threads about, about all the stuff is like, especially from a, if you look at all the things that are, that are popular, most things that are popular today have a, have a movement. There's like always some element, especially today, people are more skeptical than ever. There's some element of authenticity. And I think, I think that's what plays into your stuff so well, which is like, you're not a, you're not a marketer trying to, you know, trying to peddle books or peddle some, some advice. It's, it, it's these long, long form conversations that feel like, you know, I'm, I'm in my car driving to Vermont and I feel like I'm, I'm hanging out at, at your place talking to somebody or, or, or 
listening in on the conversation. I think that like the best channels today and, and whether you're writing a book or creating a business or whatever, they all have that element of like, authenticity this is a real person talking about you know real stuff with it with, with somebody else behind the scenes it's not it's not a hack it's nobody's trying to game any system to try to get you to go and, and buy something immediately after yeah and i think i think that's that's accurate and correct um i think the word authenticity the word authentic is getting bastardized and it's been so co-opted that it almost feels like a nasty word now because it's a word, it's an idea, it's an ethos that brands are trying to um, manufacture. And if you know something that's truly authentic cannot be manufactured by yeah. its very definition. And so authenticity is very important to what I do, uh, um, but not because I'm, I'm trying to, uh, like I'm putting energy into trying to create authenticity. I'm trying to actually you know, avoid being distracted by externalities that would drive my content and what I'm doing away from just being what is fundamentally, you know, consistent with my personality. Brad, you, you were going to say something, you feel the same way? I do. Um, I, I think that it starts with a good product. And, and the only thing that I would add to, to what Rich said is that I don't like I don't think of marketing is separate from the core of what I do. It's just all what I do. So like when I'm on Twitter, I do my best to compose really high quality tweets. I often use that actually as a testing ground for sentences that will appear in articles and books. Um, so I think that, you know, there's like a trap of thinking of marketing is like separate from the work or the skill to optimize. And there are people that, that are marketers first. I, I just think of myself as a writer and someone that's privileged like to play in this world of ideas. And every time I offer an idea, that is my marketing, but that's also the core of what I'm doing. Um, I mean, in marketing lingo, maybe it's called content marketing. But again, like I, 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 I don't ever use the word marketing. I don't really think of anything I do as marketing. It's just having these you know interesting conversations with people writing about them and then doing what I can to share those ideas. Love it. I, I love the idea of t like, it's such a good way to test, like just, just sharing the stuff that you're already sharing. Oh, oh, that, you know, that people are really interested in that thing that I said, maybe that's an article that I could write. Maybe that's a podcast episode that, that I could have. Um, all right. So I want to, I want to, we're going to wrap up in a little bit, but just, uh, you know, a couple more, a couple questions about, about you guys, um, more, more personally. Um, what, what's, uh, what is a, uh, what are your, morning routine morning routine and evening uh evening routines i've seen i've seen videos i've seen i've seen pictures from you both like you know getting up at at ridiculous early hours i always see rich lighting the uh lighting the tea kettle so i'm just interested in uh in sharing your latest i know they're always in, uh, evolving but your latest uh, morning routine and, and evening routine right now so I, I um great question yeah oh go ahead brad you well, can i'm not first. sleeping go on my it. roof in a tent rich so yours you, we'll let you close out <laughs> um i don't know if you're still doing that we'll find out in a second anyways um so yeah my my morning routine is as follows um when i wake up my brain is just like already churning i, I pop out of bed and that's when i can do my highest quality work um, so I don't try to work against that or put that to sleep. So if anything, I, I add fuel to the fire. So I make a pot of coffee, uh, write down three things that I'm grateful for in a gratitude journal while the coffee is brewing. 
And then um, I put in between an hour and two hours of really deep focus work. So that's when I'll edit copy that I wrote the other day or um, perhaps even just write in the morning. So it's, it's the most important work of the day uh, I do in that hour. Uh, again, partially because I'm not going to be distracted, but more so that's just when I can really feel like I'm on my game. Um, then I'll meditate for 20 minutes. It's almost like coming off of that deep focus work and allowing me to just clear my mind for the rest of the day. Um, I wake up early too. I wake up like 5.30. So this is at 7.30 to 8. Uh, and then I'll do some sort of physical practice. Generally tends to be running, sometimes running and resistance training. And that'll take about 90 minutes. Um, and that takes me to 9.30. So that's my morning. And then uh, evening, something that I've, I've just started doing over the last really like month or two months is uh, when my wife comes home from work, I work from home, she doesn't. When she comes home, I put my phone in the other room and it stays there until the morning. Um, and that's really been like the only quote unquote routine. Other than that, things just kind of play out as they go. But I really try to disconnect. Uh, that tends to be around 7 p.m. through the next morning. My skin is crawling just thinking about that. <laughs> well, no, it's Which interesting. In, 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 this is actually a topic that I've discussed with David Cancel offline. Is it, you actually like? I feel some anxiety still, and like I have to sit with that urge to check my phone. And often I realize like the anxiety is just there because I'm so habitually used to checking it. It's not like I'm anxious because I'm waiting for an email or like there's something important happening in my life. It's just I've become so used to scrolling and checking that it feels like if I don't, like there's this emptiness or I just have to sit with myself. And as uncomfortable as that is, I think it's pretty important to be okay with that. I don't know. No, I love it. Um, you should have a baby and then you won't have a choice either. <laughs> I love yeah. it. I'll, I'll have Brad. I'll have to follow up with you separately. You can uh, you can share with me the secrets of your sessions with with him because it's it's been amazing. So, um, uh, Rich, what about you? So you know it's 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 kind of amazing how similar my morning routine is to Brad's. But I would I would enter with the caveat that I have four kids, and, <laughs> and also my nephew lives with me, and you know, every day is different and there's a lot of chaos in my house and there's a lot of people with all different kinds of needs that I need to attend to. So I don't always get to do what I want to do. And as a, it, as a isn't that, freak, that's an important piece though, right? Like to be, to be comfortable in like, you have a routine, but you're also like willing to accept life and like still get your stuff in if it doesn't fit perfectly in that morning. Yeah. So, you know, it, it's a, it, as a control freak, like I want to control my environment all the time. And, and I don't always get to do that. Now, you know, my friend Neil Strauss would say, well, you actually do have a choice. Like if it's important enough to you, you can make it a priority and do that. But, but then it becomes a function for me at least like, all right, well I can do that, but then I'm an asshole. So like, what's more important, you know, like I can be self a selfish asshole and say, well, I need this time. But then, you know, uh, I don't get to go to the, the event at my daughter's school or, you know, things like that. Right. So, so I have to be a little bit more flexible and open-minded, but I would say that my morning routine begins with a prioritization on sleep, like getting seven to eight hours of sleep is absolutely like critical for me. And again, it's something that doesn't always happen. Last night I was at an event. I didn't get to bed until 1130 and, you know, at my age, with every increasing year, I'm 51 right now, 
it's really hard to like, if I'm up late, I still wake up early. You know, like I can't, it's not like I can sleep in even if I want to. So I'll get five or six hours of sleep instead of seven or eight. And I can feel the difference. I don't feel as good. Um, but I, I tend to wake up. Um, yeah, I will post like I go through jaunts where I'm, I'm up at like four or four thirty. They don't tend to last you know, more than a couple weeks. I would say in the grand scheme of things, I'm probably getting up between five and six. Uh, and sometimes like if I really need to sleep, I, I allow myself to sleep in until seven or seven thirty. So again, every day is different. But as soon as I wake up, it's tea or coffee, um, not too much, but a cup or two. Uh, and then right to the page. Um, right now, I'm hashing out a new book. So um, it's a lot of freeform writing for probably two hours on average of just getting my thoughts down in long form, in, in longhand, writing in a journal. Um, when I'm not actively trying to crack a book or, or something like that, I will do morning pages like journaling from the artist's way. Uh, but some form of writing is very important for me to take care of first thing. I'm, I'm, I am a morning person. That's when the creative ideas flow and I need to leverage that period of time, um, for, you know, for the work that I do, uh, then, and that, and that, you know, that's, don't look at your phone, don't check whatever, like you, you just go straight to the page. And then when that's done, um, 20 minutes of meditation, usually, although I'm, I can be inconsistent with that if, you know, depending upon what I have to do that day. And then I train and I go out like today, I had a two and a half hour bike. So I did my writing, I did all that. And then I, you know, went out and trained. And as soon as I was finished, it was time to do this podcast. Uh, and then I got a bunch of other stuff to do today. So my training sessions are, are probably a little bit longer than Brad's on average, which makes it tough for me to do all the things that I want to get done every single day, like with managing the podcast and the like. And again, every day is different. So in terms of the, the evening, like I really, you know, if I have my way, I'm in bed at nine o'clock and I will end the day with you know, putting my phone away an hour or two before, before lights out. Um, and then I'll have some magnesium tea before I go to bed, which helps me kind of calm down and settle myself. And I don't really have any trouble falling asleep. So it's pretty basic. There's nothing, you know, super, exotic about that except for the fact that i do sleep in a tent and uh, i sleep on a tent on the roof of my house i've been doing this for a little over a year at this point and it's a longer discussion as to the whys but you know i i i really do struggle with sleeping soundly and i found that uh when we would like we have a flat roof at our house and in the summer months like i would do sleep out sleep you know we'd sleep outside with my kids and i would just wake up feeling amazing like i would just sleep so much better in the cool dry air than i do indoors with air conditioning or heat and so that was kind of the original impetus because my wife likes the room warm and i like it cold and it was creating <laughs> tension in our relationship so either she wouldn't sleep great or I wouldn't sleep great. And I was like, fuck it, I'm getting a tent. And I started sleeping in a tent. She's like, all right, knock yourself out. And I just, the quality of my sleep was like 10x immediately. And I've just never looked back from that. And, you know, it's, I, I don't sleep in it every night, but I would say nine out of 10 nights I sleep in a tent. And it really has enhanced the quality of my sleep. I like sleeping in the cold air. And I think on top of that, it's kind of a cool 
stoic practice, like it reminds me that I don't need that much. Like if everything went to shit and went away and all I had was a sleeping bag and a tent, like I would be okay because, you know, I have a lot right now and I have a great life and I'm choosing to sleep in a tent. So it's kind of a, an interesting uh, experiment in non-attachment that I've been enjoying. I love it. Well, as you said, uh, you know, I, I think it's good because you said you don't have anything exotic other than sleeping in a tent. So that, I love it. That's a perfect way. Uh, it's the perfect way to end. I know you guys, uh, you know, like you said, you got a lot to get done the rest of the day. So um, I appreciate it. Uh, make sure you go and, you know, if you like this episode, go and holler uh, at Brad on Twitter at B Stolberg uh, and Rich Roll at Rich Roll. And, you know, do yourself a favor and go subscribe to, uh, to Rich's podcast. Definitely. We've learned a lot. And, uh, you know, thank you guys for coming on. Appreciate it. Have an awesome uh, rest of the week. Bye.